When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Britain is a Nation of... The podcast where we explore British behaviour by unpacking statistics to understand the little differences... And similarities between us all. I'm Stuart Henderson, Head of News at Yahoo. And I'm Matilda Long, Journalist at Yahoo. I'm Victoria Valazir, Data Journalist at YouGov. We're diving back into very British behaviours with a look into royal family statistics, like... How many Brits still support the idea of keeping the royal family? How many think Princess Diana's death was a conspiracy? And how many of us would actually want to be a royal family member if we had a shot at it? And we're joined by our special guest, Nick Eade, a PR expert, royal commentator, and who also appears on Yahoo's The Royal Box video series. Welcome, Nick. Hi, guys. How are you? Can't wait to get stuck into some royals. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll begin, uh, mm-hmm. and I shall start off with a question for the room. Um, very simply, would you describe yourself as a monarchist? We're going to start with Victoria. Oh, start with the foreigner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, which probably means no. I don't. I, I wouldn't say I have anything actively against the royal family. Um, I grew up abroad and it's funny because there's such a sort of picture-perfect view of Britain in a lot of the world, which is based largely on the royal family, Harry Potter, (laughs) maybe Downton Abbey, you know, depending on where you are. Uh And it feels in that way that it's so much part of what people think of when they think of Britain that it's really hard to imagine it without it. But I do also see all the kind of political arguments why people are against it. Um, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm a firm no, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to say it, do you? Because you might offend us. That's what you're worried about. Uh, Matilda? I think I'm quite similar in that I'm sort of on the fence. I think so- lots of people feel incredibly strongly about this. People will really lay into the royal family and say how much they hate them. I kind of see both sides. I I can understand why people are annoyed that this family is fantastic is funded by taxpayers' money and live in literally a palace. But I can also see the benefits. As you say, like, it's part of British identity. I'm, yeah, I'm going to put myself firmly on the fence. This is no good. No, I'm, I'm a, I love the monarchy. Mm-hmm. I think they're fantastic. I think what they what they do for our economy, mm-hmm. although obviously we pay, our taxes go towards them and where they live, what they also bring back for us from tourism mm-hmm. through to publicity in many, many ways. And having someone, having a monarch is a really strong thing. And it's a great way of building bridges. It's a great way when, you know, the queen goes to different countries of creating, you know, and a lot of people have issues with the Commonwealth as well, as we know. Mm-hmm. But I think all in all, the monarchy are great. And I think <laughs> they are wonderful. And I think now they're streamlining a little bit more mm-hmm. and they're doing much more work. And we're seeing them in a much better way when it comes to important things like, you know, um, heads together or mental health, etc. Addressing mm-hmm. things which are important to everybody. I think that is the best way of using the monarchy. And I think they're doing it in a good way. Mm. Um, I would say I'm very much not a monarchist. Um, I like <laughs> the individual's but I would also I would be really wary about supporting anyone who would want to get rid of the monarchy. I think that's mm-hmm. it's so ingrained in our fabric that actually I think there'd be a bit of a Pandora's box element there. I don't think anyone who would just kind of want to get rid of it because they hate it and everything it represents. I think they fundamentally misunderstand it and they misunderstand our society. So 
I would never, I don't think I'd ever support getting rid of them, but some of them seem all right. Some of them probably aren't all right, but that's the case with the world over, right? So, yeah, exactly. I think, uh, I think I, I, I kind of warm to the younger ones and the, I quite, I think it's really hard to dislike the queen, like genuinely. <laughs> oh, everyone loves the queen, I think, I, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I love her, but I think it's, re- it's really hard to dislike the queen. I think, you know, just from long, longevity, frankly. And also um, their power as well, because if you look at the queen, you know, one of her biggest legacies is the queen's canopy, which is all about the environment. Mm-hmm. And if you're somebody like that who actually throws that in and says, when I die, this is the main thing that I want to be remembered for, which potentially will help a lot of people mm-hmm. and future generations that is a good thing and that's yep. why the monarchy is so powerful mm-hmm. well YouGov uh, in May last year asked uh, the, our fair country uh, whether or not they were monarchists and over two thirds of people said they were 69% mm-hmm. which I think is very interesting mm-hmm. uh, this figure is more than three times higher than those who oppose the monarchy uh, and only sort of one in ten said they didn't know, which I thought was quite low. I think mm-hmm. that it shows actually that we are quite a split society when it comes to the monarchy. But obviously, most people support them. Uh, and uh, the the survey also showed that while the majority of people uh, support the monarchy, obviously the older you get, the more you love them. Is that uh, obvious? I think so. I think so. Mm, um, I'm I not think... sure because, as you mentioned before, the y- the younger royals are so popular. I are wouldn't they? say that that's a given. Are I think they? Prince Harry. And everyone loves the little kids, right? Well, that's true. <laughs> George um, and Charlotte and Louis. We might come to that later. But I guess I guess my, my sort of follow-up question, I guess, is like, are we surprised that it's 70%? Like, do we think that's higher, lower than it used to be? What does, what do, what does the room think? I'm surprised that, that maybe that many people will say definitively that they are a monarchist, because I think that's quite a strong word. Rather than That's not the same as asking whether you like the Queen or whether you like Prince Harry and Prince William. That's a... It's a quite strong terminology, so maybe I am quite surprised by that. I think, I think, I think because of politics, etc., and how the, how the government's going at the moment and has been for a few years, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people want to hold on to something that they feel is standard and has and as a trajectory that they kind of knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they align themselves with something that's quite familiar to them, and the monarchy mm-hmm. to them is a familiar thing that has happened through. So many things from world wars through to, you know, disasters, etc. They're always there. Mm-hmm. So I think when people are uncertain, they want to always hold on to something. And that's why I think we're, they're quite strong in their belief for the monarchy. I mean, it, is, it literally is the status quo. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's not much more, anything stronger in this. In, in that the and the Harry Potter play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, going to continue. And crucially, I think it is very strongly related to what you were saying, Nick, earlier about how they use that power, I suppose, and the kind of what they yes. put their names behind. Because if you think about your day-to-day life, not many of us are going to be thinking about the royals on that regular mm. basis but when we do think Speak about them yourself sorry <laughs> um, <laughs> it'll either be on the basis of I'm, I'm imagining some scandal that's in the paper about mm. them which people will which gives you something to talk about first of all like if you're either you'll genuinely be incredibly angry about it but realistically that proportion is quite small or it'll be because you're seeing them behind some kind of a campaign be it mental health or or anything else and I guess in that way it's not super surprising that people are broadly fine with it because they won't think so much about any potential downsides as they will see mm. upsides i suppose the, the the charitable work do we feel like they felt they had to get into that because they aware they needed to make themselves more relatable and that happened to be the thing that they decided would make them most relatable it's not i don't mean quite as cynically as that or did they go we have an overwhelming passion for mental health and 
hang whatever, whatever the consequences are, that's what we're getting into. I think charity has been something which has always been intrinsic in mm -hmm. the royal family. So, you know, if you think about the Prince's Trust, you think about you know, the Duke of Edinburgh Awards, all those mm. kind of things were done from a charitable point of view. But were they, they, they felt, I, I, I wouldn't know, I'd be interested to hear what you say, but they felt like passion points for those individuals. Whereas mental, and, and they, there was, whereas the mental health things feels very of its time. It feels very trendy. Yeah, I think, words. well, I, th I think, I think, uh, if you put it back to something like the Invictus Games, that's a massive commitment and mm -hmm. a huge thing that Prince Harry has basically driven himself. Mm -hmm. So if you look at that, that was that came out of the blue, really. But what it's done is really unite the Commonwealth and unite people who might not necessarily be doing what they're doing. So that's fantastic. I think with the mental health stuff, it felt like it, it was always sort of being played with. But I think... The, the young roles, especially William and Harry, obviously through what happened with their mother, they went through a lot themselves. And I f feel that is very relatable. It's not that they jumped on a bandwagon. It's actually something that they wanted to highlight and they wanted to use their voice to be able to really help other people. And having, you know, people like uh, Princess Kate, who supports uh, Place to Be, which is a sort of mental health for very young kids who are in, they have a room basically in a school in underprivileged uh, schools where they can go and they can talk about what's going on in their homes. You know, that is a real uh, insight into them really wanting to make a difference and using their power of celebrity and yeah. <laughs> royalty to, to mm. highlight it, basically. There's another um, survey by uh, YouGov, which I think probably talks to that, which looks at the most popular royals. And... Can we guess? guess? Yeah, of course we can guess. Um, Number one. I would guess Prince Harry. Anyone else for the top slot? I think uh, William. Okay. I know the answer, so I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> you work for you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's interesting. So the most popular royal among all respondents was Prince Harry. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> and then William, which surprised okay. me personally. And then the Queen. And then Kate. And then Philip. And then Meghan. Prince little... Philip's more popular than Prince Meghan Markle? Wow. When was that survey run? Pre or post car crash? I, <laughs> it was the... Oh, ah, this know. is on the racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's on the ratings one. So does this update... Does this update or I think it, it came updates. out in November, was it? I think yes, but it's not a sort of immediate update. So if there's a big scandal tomorrow, it won't be updated straight away. But mm -hmm. we'll keep asking people and the score will January will will move sort of slowly but surely. But yeah, Megan is surprisingly low on the ranking still, but I guess also because she's still a she's fairly still pretty new, new addition yeah, to the exactly. uh, But even amongst yeah. millennials, um actually William came top for millennials and then Harry, then the Queen, then Kate, and then Megan. So Megan, even amongst millennials, was was very, very low. And actually perhaps Perhaps the what elevates Harry and William in the eyes of the majority is they seem very genuine. Clearly, the Diana Link probably has a role to play in that. Do we look at them and do we still see an eight-year-old boy in a whatever well, I, he was, eleven-year-old boy? Prince Harry. I mean, obviously, you mentioned the Invictus Games. He's he's he does a lot of really amazing projects. But I guessed that because I think he comes across as having the best personality. He seems to have a sense of humour. I think William's a bit more kind of buttoned up and straight-laced, whereas Prince Harry comes across as actually having. Yeah, a bit more of a an interesting personality. Is that true, Nick? Yeah, I think he does. I think he's obviously more fun. Mm. He's the spare, yeah. and you know, the spare as we all know, allowed to have a allowed to go away to Las Great, Vegas, yeah. you know, <laughs> and do lots of naughty things, and marry a gorgeous Hollywood star. Mm, true. Uh, so you know, all those tough things life. add up. Yeah, tough <laughs> life. all those things add up to somebody you kind of want to be your best friend, and mm, you sort absolutely. of want to be as well. So I, I can see that's why he would be at the top of that poll. Mm. For me, what's most interesting about the, this poll is how far down Camilla and Charles are, and what that means for the in the next year or next 10 years potentially sooner than that with with uh charles down in seventh and camilla down in 10th below zara 
Uh, oh, wow. I just feel like we, people who, who know the Royals, my understanding is that Camilla's pretty popular. Like, yeah. She works incredibly hard. She's very giving and sharing. Mm-hmm. And just the public just don't feel it at all. And that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they just don't, they still don't know her. We still don't know who Camilla is. You know, we still yeah. don't have that kind of insight into her mm-hmm. that all the other royals, even Zara, as you just said, you know, people kind of see her as a bit of fun, but also somebody who's competed in uh, equestrian stuff. And you know what I mean? She's quite cool. Mm-hmm. But with um, Camilla, we just have no idea what she really likes. Mm-hmm. They did a documentary which was I thought quite eye-opening with regards to Prince Charles and his birthday. But again, like, I think we've got a lot of education to do for the nation to really fall in love with her. Mm. So, why, so why are they putting so much PR efforts around the younger royals when the more immediate problem would appear to be the actual heir to That's the true. throne the and, next, his, and yeah. his wife? Charles is going to be the next king, so shouldn't they be focusing more? I, d- I, think, I think it's, I think, I'm, I'm not in any way, and don't quote me on this, but although I'm saying it, <laughs> is, uh, is that it's... You know a, we're recording a little, this. I know, exactly. <laughs> I think it's a little bit ageist. I mean, he's mm. going to be, he's 70, you know, and he might, you know, he's going to be, again, an old monarch like the Queen is, mm-hmm. an old monarch. And I think they don't really want to highlight that because they know that sort of popularity isn't going to stick. So they, they I, I think they are really pushing the generation of William and Harry. Mm-hmm. But I do also think that there's something, so particularly in Harry and Meghan as a pair, Harry potentially because of all of this stuff about him being the naughty, slightly crazy one, and obviously Meghan as mixed race yeah. American. So like, you know, breaking a lot of boundaries for the mm-hmm. royal family, it's a it's a better story. It, I was going to say right that. And just let's let's be honest. If you want to look in at OK or Hello, you don't really want to see Camilla looking there. Mm. You want to see Meghan. You know they're not sexy. Yeah, Prince Charles and Meghan. So uh, and um, Camilla. So I think mm. that's another reason. Mm-hmm. You know, tabloid fodder, tabloid fodder mm. for the the young royals. It's funny, like the things that you know the royals kind of put their name behind. There was a story this week or a few weeks ago about Camilla encouraging young women not to give up dairy. That's what you're putting your name behind. Because, I mean, there's a kind of move towards vegan diets and she was was speaking about how it's actually healthy to eat dairy. I thought that was completely bizarre. That's a story that ends up in the press. Mm. Whereas Meghan and Harry... Megan in particular, she's more Well, she'll more just rise on bananas. Exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what's worse. <laughs> True. Yeah, the, the kind of cause that she associated herself with <laughs> was quite strange yeah. choice. Maybe they think they're a lost cause. Yeah. yeah. There's just no point. Yeah, I do think that there's something quite interesting about this question of who is popular and why and sort of what it takes to win the public heart, mm-hmm. really. Um, in that, I think, you know, for example, looking at the case of Meghan, um, as someone who like has received a hell of a lot of backlash, and obviously it's really difficult to compare these things across because right now she's the one that's being focused on. But, you know, there have been some questionable headlines around her, you know, exotic DNA, mm-hmm. all the stuff about her family. And then I think particularly, that, like the amount of scrutiny that you get as someone who marries into the royal family in terms of adhering to protocol, like everything from the nail polish story to whatever. Like, and I think it's it's a really difficult thing because on the one hand, if you're a royal, you can be a sort of trailblazer in something like Harry raising awareness of mental health. There'll be lots of people who previously maybe wouldn't have talked about it and now will because he is. So in some ways you can help make change happen. But it's such a delicate balance between rocking the boat, quote unquote, too far and not representing the nation as people think you should. Or being able to use your power to, to push boundaries and to say, what, what does it mean to be British and what is the right way to act? You know, And I think that that's the most interesting balance for me, watching the kind of way that the royal family is interacted with and observed and, and judged and or loved. You know? We're talking about 
uh, members of the royal family who are loved and judged, I'm going to move the conversation on to Princess Diana. Mm. So I'm just going to ask everyone a question first off. Do you remember where you were when Princess Diana died? Nick? Yeah, I do. And I've written about this as well. Is My mum died the same day as Prince Diana died. Oh, okay. Uh, an hour before. So it was a very strange time. You can imagine the whole world was sad. So wherever you went, wherever you saw people were upset. And I would be crying you know, in the street because mm. my mum had a stroke and died in front of me. And people would be like, oh, you, that's really affected you, Diana. And it would, wow. it, you'd be like, no, I've got my own thing to mm-hmm. deal with but it became a very it became a cloud for a long long time because mm-hmm. Diana kind of superseded my own mom in many ways because mm-hmm. everywhere I looked there was a funeral Every, you know my mum's my funeral was actually delayed because of the television funeral for oh Diana because people wow. were just weren't there they were watching it mm-hmm. so I think that's where I was and yeah. it's it's changed it changed my life so Diana in a really weird way has Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of been there from from that day. How do you think has that played in any way into your interest in the royal family? I think I think it has. Like I've you know I've met Harry, I've met Meghan, I, I know Meghan and, and and William. And weirdly, I've got a brother. I've got a brother as well. Same years apart, a little bit older. Uh, but you know the same feeling. We've all, you know I went through the same day mm. an hour before a parent dying in a very extreme way. But mm. the strange thing is. The world was sad. It was it was very strange. Yeah, but it shapes shapes you absolutely. And of course, any time it's like five years since Diana died. Oh, ten yeah. years everything. Ten years, twenty years, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. All, and whenever you look at the papers, wherever you see her picture, even like talking about it now, like it brings mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. You go straight back to being twenty two mm-hmm. and being in that situation. So it's yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. I was in bed. Uh, <laughs> I, it was because it was overnight, and I remember my mum and dad uh, coming in and waking me up. And just telling me that Princess Diana had died. Mm-hmm. I was. How old were you? Uh, so I was 97. So I was 19, I think. 78? Yeah, <laughs> 19. Quick maths um, there. <laughs> yeah. But what I, what I think back and remember about it at the time, actually, it's weirdly, uh, I remember my brother having quite a bad cycling accident at, uh, that same week. And I also remember it, the, remember it was the same week that Mother Teresa died. Yeah. And I always, that's always stuck with me, this kind of how, how we still talk about Diana. We, you know, as, as the mo- most mourned person in the in, in Britain, mm. um, as 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 we've sort of talked about the other day, and um, and other trees have not not been forgotten from history, but very much not part of. We certainly didn't write about the 30th an- 30th anniversary of Mother Teresa's death, mm. but exactly. we did not. we did so with Princess Diana. Yeah, exactly. Victoria, do you remember? Uh, <laughs> I was four, so I don't remember. You get even worse with you, isn't it? <laughs> no, I'm older. I was six, <laughs> so again, <laughs> revealing revealing my youth. Um, I remember going into my parents' bedroom and it being on the TV and really not understanding why everyone was so sad. I, Can you remember that? Though? Yes, I do. I remember, I remember the moment. Maybe it's a false memory, um, but I, I certainly feel like I do remember, but that I, did, I certainly didn't get it. Mm. Um, so the statistic that I'd like to discuss this week is that 17% of Brits think that Princess Diana's death was a, re- was a result of a conspiracy to kill her. Nearly one in five, a huge amount. Wow. Mm. It's remarkable. Mm. I think it's fascinating. Um, how, what, were the, what were the 
yes, yes, it was. No, it wasn't. What was yeah. the So, sixty-six percent think that it was an accident. Fifteen percent said they're not sure. Seventeen percent said that her death was a result of a conspiracy. One percent were other. Not sure what that is. Fifteen <laughs> percent who weren't sure, I think, is also significant because mm. that suggests a level of skepticism yeah, yeah, that you're certainly open to the possibility that it was a conspiracy. But also, sort of talking about the statistic from earlier. If it's around about 70% who consider themselves monarchists and around 70% or possibly mm. slightly fewer than that who actually think it was an accident, mm. it's, I, I don't know if you're more or less likely to, to think to think it was a conspiracy mm. um, that, regardless of whether you're a monarchist or not. I, I don't understand where that, mm. where that disbelief comes from. It, it, it seems very... It's not unique to Diana, this sort of level of support in a cons- this sort of conspiracy mm. theories, but mm. it does seem to really take it's a pretty hold, pervasive. I think um, the fact that one in five people think that, I, I was quite surprised by how that number is, how high that number is. But then I think, you know, it, what's interesting is that it's a bit similar to things like 9-11. Mm. You know, they're huge things that have massive impact and people mm. try and they they want to stick to other stuff as well. Yeah. They want, they, they're, they're like investigative journalists themselves and they want to think there are alternatives to actually mm. the facts that happened. Mm. Um, and I think that's, a lot of people were, based on that I think also there were so many documentaries about Diana and there still have yeah. been there's been movies etc and it is shrouded in this kind of weird mystery of because of where it was and it was in a tunnel and it mm. was you know what I mean and yeah. and we didn't have CCTV to go in there and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so I think that's the issue and people people love it you know listen look how many people still believe in aliens mm. so you know <laughs> it's, do we know if the the royals um, sort of Charles and, and Harry and William are they aware of this do they know that they must a, a significant be. proportion of the UK public think? Well, I think they must be. I yeah. think it'd be stupid for them not to mm. be. And I think, you know, obviously a lot of it was afterwards, the aftermath. Mm. They It was played pretty badly by the Queen, mm. as we all know. And yeah. I think, you know, that was all because nobody really knew what to say and what to do and what the protocol was. Because mm-hmm. nothing like that really ever happened. Mm. I sort of looked into where this, where this might have come from. So for anyone who doesn't know, she died on the 31st of August, 1997 in Paris, along with her current her boyfriend at the time, Dodi Al-Fayed. And Dodi Al-Fayed's father, Mohammed Al-Fayed, was the source of a lot of the mm. accusations. So he suggested that she was pregnant, I believe, and that it was a conspiracy on the part of the British Secret Service on the on the orders of the royal family. Because the British state didn't like the fact that she was pregnant with another man's baby. And there was a, a huge Met Police investigation into this. So it was called okay. Operation oh, wow. that, It was actually. Operation Paget, um, which I should definitely say concluded that the death was an accident. <laughs> the driver was drunk. The investigation took years and cost cost a lot of money and examined more than a hundred theories into what happened. Wow. So there's there's a okay. pr- profound consequences to these rumors. Mm. Um yeah. Theories go that Prince Charles couldn't get married again while she was still alive. I don't know where where that's come from. Um, And that the paparazzi deliberately caused her crash. That's another another theory that goes around. Um, And some people also think that it was the CIA. Not sure where that's come from either. (laughs) But it chips away. Even even in, um, what was the most recent anniversary? Was it the... Twenty-fifth uh, anniversary of her death, I think it was last year. But there was a lot of um, there's a lot of newspaper coverage of that, and um, oh no, it must have been thirtieth. Sorry, thirtieth. Mm. Yeah, and even then, I think I think it was one newspaper had an interview with someone who claimed to have had the car. I can't remember the details, but mm-hmm. that's the part of the problem. I can't remember the details, yeah. and it's yeah. stuck in my head, and it just sits there, and, and I'm quite happy to dismiss it, but 
Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who, the more you write about it, the more it gets muddled, the more it gets yeah. confused. And it, and it is now 30 years ago. And but it's a myth. It's 20, it's 20 years ago. It's 20 years. Sorry, 20 years. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> adding another 10. Yeah. Sorry. And now I'm really old. <laughs> uh, I, it, I think, listen, it's a myth and it's a story. And it's a story which is going to be handed down to different generations. And it's a bit like Roswell. It's a bit like mm. all these different, the Loch Ness Monster. Weirdly, you know, they've become kind of a fantasy story. And, it's, and, and the moon landing, you know, it's like, is it real? was it not you know all that we know she died Mm -hmm. and we know that she was a people's princess and everybody I feel wants to feel that they have a bit of her in their life Mm. and I think that's why these conspiracy theories kick in and people want to kind of assume something could have happened Mm. and I do think it's like anything I think once you plant the seed of what if there will always be a lot of people that will hang on to that Mm -hmm. and I think that with anything that we've looked at sort of from a VUGOV perspective, any kind of conspiracy theory, you do often get around that proportion of people who say, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. And that comes not necessarily even from this specific story so much as a general disdain or mistrust of anything they mm-hmm. hear and anything that seems like there could be a bigger story behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this says as much about the respondents really yeah, as it does absolutely. about the story. And it was itself. such a crescendo. You know, it really was building up from, you know, obviously the TV documentaries and Mm -hmm. her admitting stuff and Prince Charles and then obviously the Camilla stories and the paparazzi and then all the, you know. And the more you see, the more you're like, God, maybe there's something. Yeah, yeah, because you're like, this is going, this has to go somewhere, has to Mm. build and there has to be a definite ending to this. Mm. And there was. Mm -hmm. What's, I guess, the consequence of, of so many people believing that she may have been killed is that Sheen has now kind of taken on a sort of mythological status. Mm. Yes. And and you can't really do anything about mm. that. That now exists, yeah. regardless of whether she was killed or, yeah, or, or I whatever feel, happened. They said I was only six when she died. I feel like I know a lot about Diana because yeah. there's still so much talk about her. Um, her kind of, there's still lots, lots of TV shows. I've seen mm. loads of clips of her. I've heard her speaking. Yeah. She's still an incredibly famous person who was, you know, only alive for a, a very small amount of time but when the, I was alive. But to your point about Mother Teresa, the, the mm. difference is that Diana's life was cut very short. Mm. And also she, it was it was yes. cut at a time where, a bit like Marilyn Monroe, you know, these big stars will carry mm. on in our lives because they look, they look like an icon. They're mm. young, they're beautiful, and we, we don't see them age in any way. And I think that's yeah, one that's of the true. reasons mm-hmm. we kind of stuck with this memory mm-hmm. the um the british psychologist karen douglas um said in a recent article in the current directions journal in psychological science that researchers looked into why we sort of go for conspiracy theories uh-huh. and they, they found there were sort of three main reasons one was the desire for understanding and certainty the second one was the desire for control and security and the third one was the desire to maintain a positive self image and i guess when you have all those three at, at play, mm-hmm. it becomes even stronger. And what's interesting about Diana was she was not that popular before she died. So I'm not aware of this. Yeah, I don't no, remember that. I, I, this That's is, been quite erased, I think, from the conversation uh, about her. <clears throat> Nick and I were talking earlier that sort of remembering the, uh, an MP who stood up in the House of Commons and was saying that the way she was carrying on was disgraceful, the, the um, uh, autobiography that Andrew Morton, Andrew Morton wrote, <laughs> hugely badly received. By, by the public. Mm. I mean, it was it was just, or, or by some aspects of the public, just, this kind of breach of trust almost. Um, and and it, it's just, um, I don't know, it's just fascinating. It, it feels like it's a cloud that's going to hang over the royals for well, 20 she was years. Highly years. manipulative to mm. the media. And I think, you know, a lot of people found that 
really quite bad, you mm. know. And in those days, it wasn't like how we are quite progressive in the way we think. You know, they, this was somebody who was standing out like a sore thumb, who was really playing the media mm -hmm. in, in a way to make her, give her the sympathy. So it was very manipulative. Mm. Do you think that British people in some way feel like the royal family is their family somehow? Because a lot of this defensiveness almost sounds like, sounds like mm. how people would react if, you're, if, if, you're, if a member of your own family was being attacked, you know? Certainly, I think people feel a kind of sense of ownership. Mm. So I said earlier, you know, I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as a monarchist, but maybe if someone who wasn't British... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. ...were really rude about the royal family, I think I would defend them. <laughs> yeah, I think I would. Yeah, yeah, even even yeah. on the fence, Matilda. Yeah. yeah. You know, and if you think to yourself... I'm every... getting off the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Goodbye, Yeah, it's come to my side. <laughs> Uh, I think that if you, you know, if you think about it on Christmas Day and we all sit down, we yeah. all listen to her and we all mm. take whatever we want from that. And that's comforting. And it does feel like it's an extended family member. Mm -hmm. And it does seem to me that, that it's more than just like something like watching the Queen's speech is more than just a tradition of yeah. we go for a walk on Christmas. It's actually a relationship to another person, uh -huh. you know, to a whole family. Well, that's the problem. It is a person. And it's not the fact, it's not just that she's the Queen. It's the fact that she's Queen Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that will change can you imagine Charles the first time he does it? No, no, I've no. actually never watched the Queen's speech, so no. Oh, you, you haven't. <laughs> no. <laughs> so moving. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. To our final question of the podcast, uh, after all this discussion about, about the royals, <laughs> this would the exclusive you, one, yes? Yes, so this Yahoo, is an exclusive yeah. Yahoo survey. Uh, would you want to be a royal? Uh, let's go around. Uh, you have the option of being either <laughs> Ooh, a working okay. royal, uh, which means someone who's carrying out official engagements mm -hmm. on behalf of the queen, or a non-working royal, i.e. you're part of the family, but you can have another job. So I see this question as similar to being, similar to asking, would you like to be a very famous celebrity? And the answer is no for me, because <laughs> I think, I just think the scrutiny would completely put me off. Okay. There's no way I'd want that kind of level of intrusion in my life. Mm -hmm. I find that quite an easy question to answer. <laughs> okay. Well, I think, I, I mean, I, obviously I'd love to be a royal, but I'd love to be, <laughs> I'd love to be a working royal. Mm -hmm, I, I yeah. think, you know, what they can do and the power that they have is very strong and mm -hmm. they can do really great things. And I think if they can justify the spend and justify where they're living, et cetera, mm -hmm. that works fine for me. I mean, I've spent lots of time with Megan, used to know her very well. Mm -hmm. And somebody like her, although 
people sort of say they feel a bit sorry for her and where she's gone. And as you said, you know, having to sort of change things around. As you've just addressed, she was a celebrity and she still mm. is a celebrity, yeah, but true. just in a different way. So actually the most adapt person to this whole role is actually <laughs> her. Yeah. You know, she knows exactly what to say. You know, when people say, oh my God, she said that off the cuff. No, she didn't. She's an actress. She can learn a, you know, she was on a soap. She can learn a script in half an hour. You know, she's a clever woman who's mm. very articulate. She knows exactly the right angles. Mm. And, you know, so that that use of, of celebrity and becoming uh, part of the royal family, I think is fantastic. And I'd love to be a bit mm. of Megan. Maybe not with an nail varnish, though. <laughs> Um, so I don't think I've ever had a desire to want to change the world for the better. So, <laughs> it's fine as it is. Yeah, it's fine. I, don't think that's, I don't think that's in my capabilities. So I don't think I'd want to be one of the top tier royals. Okay. Uh, I'd still quite fancy being a non-working royal with quite a big stash of cash. Oh, sure. But, <laughs> but able to do, but ever able to do good things, but maybe in like a more localised way. So what kind of level? Are you a, are you a princess like, usually? Yeah. You get a like wedding. Are you a Peter Phillips? A second, <laughs> no, I think even then, that's a, too high. Oh, okay. a, a, I'd like to be Lily? a second paternal cousin with maybe oh, some wow. landed title. So what you're saying is you would like to be rich. <laughs> yeah, you just want to be rich. <laughs> and pretend I'm doing some good. Uh, yeah, I, I, but I think I wouldn't want to be a top tier Oh, that just that just sounds. One of my friends is like 89th into on the royal escort <laughs> and she sits. She she actually does does go on the balcony at Buckingham Palace. Has no right. un, un, doesn't know why she's there. <laughs> why she's there? But she's there. Who brought her? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> last year, we, I know. Can't ask, it's too embarrassing. <laughs> can I try that? Yeah. Yes. Next time, we're just going to see you sneaky. Yes, in the back. waving. <laughs> yeah, no, not a top tier role for me. Thanks. Um, I think. I don't know. I think I would actually, it's almost like if I were to be a royal, I think I would want to be a working royal because at that point, <laughs> if you're going to do, do it, do if it you're going to do it, do it right. Well, I just think if you're going to be, if you're a non working royal, I feel like you'll still get that scrutiny mm. and there'll still be certain kind of, I don't know, limitations on who you can, like, you know, I don't know. If, if you try and just get a normal job, you're never just going to be another person in the office. You mm. know, it's going to be really hard to not let that define you. While if you are a working royal, there is an enormous opportunity to do yeah, that's rich. True. But I don't know. I do think I'm saying that now, but actually, I would absolutely hate definitely the scrutiny mm. and a lot of the protocol stuff. I think <laughs> would drive me up the wall. Um, but so I was quite surprised at this. So more than two in five Brits, 44% say they would like to be part of the royal family in some mm. way. Uh, 50% say they would not like to and the rest aren't sure. Um, the really interesting thing here is that there's almost no gender difference okay. and very little age difference, actually. Right. So the biggest difference is in the people who say, I definitely wouldn't want to be a royal. Young people are the least likely to say that, 40%. While really? 60% okay. of those aged 55 and above say no, thank you. Um, but within the people who say they do want to be royals, there's really not any difference on age and gender. People are more likely to want to be a working royal than a non-working royal, which I was really surprised yeah. at. Yeah. I thought you just, yeah. That doesn't reflect well on me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, people are significantly more likely to want to be royals than non or working royals than non-working. Um, the least popular option is non-working royal by birth, which less than one in twenty Brits are interested in being. That's really heartening. I like that. Mm. That, that suggests we're not a bunch of 
selfish, money grabbing, <laughs> lazy. Yeah, lazy. <laughs> yeah, but you, yes. nice to represent. <laughs> um, that's really that's really encouraging. I would yeah. say. I think it'd be really interesting if you had a if you basically had a job spec for yes. what it is to be a royal, mm. as opposed to the jobs is. that we do. Mm. And you actually see it, and if you look at it. Where they travel, how they go. If you look at Meghan and Harry, they're, tra- mm. they're going to Morocco soon. They're, she's <laughs> over in New York. She's pregnant. If you actually wrote yeah. that down and looked at people who are pregnant yeah. and, and 38, a lot of them wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Mm. They wouldn't be going here, there and everywhere, having to look great, having to do all this kind of stuff. Mm. So actually, as a, as a job, it is a big job. So I did a, a little bit of looking into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a guy called Tim O'Donovan who every year uh, takes it upon himself to track the number of engagements that each member of the royal family carries mm-hmm. out. Who would like to guess <laughs> who was the most hardworking royal? Last year. Last year. And how many engagements did they perform? Ooh, I think not William and Kate just purely because they had a baby last year. So Surely that's the gonna, Queen is the most every year. No? I think Camilla has quite a f- actually yeah. quite a few. Underappreciated Camilla. Mm. She goes a way off base. <laughs> and the hardest working royal was the Prince of Wales ah. who carried Whoa. out 507 engagements last year. Whoa! Um, what a day! Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, I don't think he Busy does, boy! I think most of his are <laughs> UK based. Yeah, right? yeah, they are. So I think that allows him to cram a few more in. Maybe do an afternoon tea and then uh, an evening soiree. <laughs> uh, Where would you put like that? Yeah, oh, no, sorry, I've got it completely wrong. There's, uh, there was one other one as well that uh, who I didn't really count as the top tier, but the Princess Royal, uh, Princess Anne. Oh, we um, thought about what? her, sorry, have we? Five, 518, she does slightly more, wow. uh, such as going to the rugby. Yeah, uh, she's like, they sort of keep their own tally and she's like, one more, maybe, one more. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting. Um, the, I'm not convinced I could pick Princess Anne out of a lineup. <laughs> oh, really? No. Really? That's really interesting. <laughs> okay. I think I'd be like, uh, is that one of the sort of queenie sibling people? This is really interesting. Could you name, <laughs> could you name uh, Charles's three siblings? Andrew. No. <laughs> but that's fascinating because we all, we all have a, this kind of... We, yeah. There's a big jump. There's a massive generational jump there. Mm. And it's really interesting to think that in 50 years' time, people probably won't know, be able to say who are, who are King George's or who are Prince George's oh, two yeah. siblings. Yeah. Charlotte and Louis. Mm. Come on, guys. Charlotte and Louis. How are we ever going to forget them? Mm. Well, we will. Yeah. Um, but also in terms of that, so the Earl of Wessex, uh, Edward, he's, one, he's the other sibling. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he's very hardworking. The least hardworking of the kind of the top 10, those kind of main top tier royals was... Um, <coughs> Megan <laughs> uh, and Kate with ninety six and eighty seven. So, but you know yeah. they have family. They have families mm-hmm. starting a family. And I think uh, Megan's wedding counts as yeah. Megan's a new royal. That counts as about yeah. hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think so. I was looking into you know what a job spec might look like basically. Mm. Um, so some of the kind of duties of being a royal, obviously a lot of engagements, answering letters. The family collectively received 100,000 letters last year and entertained 70,000 guests. Wow. Um, wow. Which That's is, really tiresome. Yeah, yeah. So many people that you have to meet. <laughs> and then obviously if you're the queen, you've got weekly meeting with the prime minister to talk politics. Oh, you've got to give royal wow. assent yeah. on every yeah, new that's law. That's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then obviously being patriotic of all the different charities so I think the Queen alone is patron of 300 charities at least as far as I know and then obviously the others are all patrons of lots and lots more and some of them have their own Um, so I think that's sort of some of the duties that Mm. you have the letter writing is surprising yeah more more admin heavy than I was expecting (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I do definitely think like to your point Nick about just the lifestyle I do I mean if you even just think about like how many people aren't necessarily happy in their jobs, don't necessarily feel like it's easy for them to 
find meaning or feel purposeful like this is something where there's constant demand for mm. you for your attention for your words for your input like mm-hmm. i can imagine just on that basis as well as the material comforts you maybe said, you know clearly 44 percent of people mm. think that that outweighs the, the paparazzi the scrutiny yeah. The, yeah. the pressure there was, there was one particular moment that i think a lot of people talked about which is with kate after she gave birth and mm. has to have her makeup done, have her hair mm. blow dried, and what a few hours after she's given birth, appear on the, the steps of the Lindo wing. Mm, Everyone spoke about how horrifying that sounds for mm. a new mum. Mm. I think that kind of level I think probably of half the population is... spoke about that. And I, don't <laughs> well, mean that fl- I don't mean that flippantly, but I think mm. actually women going, I can't even begin to imagine that. I yeah. kind of felt slightly sorry for William because like his emotions were <laughs> over the place as well. Mm. But for Kate, it must have just been horrendous. Mm. What you were saying, Victoria, is interesting. Um, as we're having a job spec about that, and you sort of said you've spoken to Megan a fair bit, do you, like there's a perception that once this the sheen of being a princess or a duchess has worn off, that she might get a bit tired of having to carry out 300, mm. 350, mm. 400, writing some letters, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Do you perceive that in her? Or? I think I perceive it in everybody, to be honest. I think, you know, that's one of the, the great things about the royal family. When you meet them, they do treat you like you're your best friend and mm. they mm. ask you questions and they must be so bored. Mm. They just probably want to know what's for dinner. Yeah. But, you know, and having to do that day in, day out is always going to be a pressure. But obviously, you know, you've got her background as an actress. It's kind mm. of a, a good mask. Mm. But, you know, people like Kate, et cetera, I'm sure that must be really hard. And the Queen, you know, that's somebody who is, he was, what, 92? Mm. And she's still articulate and asking questions mm. and cracking jokes. <laughs> but it maybe it just becomes intrinsic in them. Mm. Do you think because Meghan grew up in America, she knew what, she, no, quote, unquote, that she, what she's getting herself in for? Yeah, I think I think she knew what she's getting herself in for, and I think she knew exactly what she wanted. And and mm. I think obviously, you know, she fell in love, and it doesn't matter who it is you fall in yeah, love with. And when that happens, you know, you you're with that person for life, and you do what you have to do. So <sighs> now I have to be a princess. Yeah, but you say, but you say yeah, that, you're, you're, as we just said, it's, yeah. it is hard, no, and it's agree. a day day in day out job. And I think for her, knowing that as yeah. a mixed race American woman, she exactly. was going to have you know a lot more backlash to deal with than. Than a, than a British white woman. Exactly. Stuart's making exactly. a face. I'm Why making are you making face. a face? <laughs> I'm making a face because I'm reflecting on the fact that after this conversation, when you actually sit down and think about it, I warm to the royals slightly more in the same way that you just mentioned. Right. Mm. That actually it's really easy to, as you just did, Victoria, dismiss the kind of, I'm not saying you dismissed it, but the whole, <laughs> the cliche, oh, the princess tower, palaces, mm. blah, all that sort of <laughs> stuff. But actually when you think about the nuance of it all, you actually appreciate, perhaps appreciate them more than you did an hour ago. Is where, <laughs> and I, is think where I ended up, which is why which... I was making a face. <laughs> <laughs> the level to which I think something like what you what you touched on with um, being a new mum and being expected to come out, like, the level to which other the people that you are serving mm-hmm. feel really entitled yeah. to 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 you to your presence mm-hmm. to details about your life the fact that that is expected of her and that actually it's more important that the british people want to see kate than it is that kate wants to sleep yeah. Yeah. like that is enormous in terms of mm-hmm. what how much of yourself you have to give and yes there is a lot that you're getting in return in again material comfort financial benefits influence so on but still i think definitely that tug of war between your needs and and the public's mm-hmm. needs you know must be an enormous emotional burden a third a third of the uk population has seen the queen in real life or met her really? wow yeah wow. that's a yougov poll 
I believe. Huh. Man, we do some uh, great stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> which, which is an indication of just how... Well, have you always seen the Queen? No. no. I've seen I mean, the Queen. I have. Yeah, you have. Once a week for the Prime Minister, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> advisory, yes. of course, yes. I don't think I've ever seen any royals. She has come to Bromley. Um, where, where I live, uh, but I, I, I wasn't there at the time. Uh, but I can, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, but but it also goes to speak to just how Christ they do get about, and <laughs> she's doing a good job, clearly. If, well, if yeah, you, exactly, yeah. and it's probably why she still remains so popular. Mm-hmm. She does get out and about. She does go and sort of pound the streets. Yeah, <laughs> and that it keep, makes streets. everyone patriotic. And yeah. I always, I always do find it quite interesting when you see people down the mall. You know, when they're waving their flags, mm-hmm. you just think this has ha- happened for years and years yeah. and years. It's, it's an amazing scene to see, mm. and amazing statistic to think that it's still carrying on when there's a fly past or etc. Mm. It's fabulous. I, I um, cycle down the mall on the way to work, and and still most days when I'm on there, I still literally picture yeah. thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands because that's yeah. normally the only time I ever see it exactly it's stuff full of people mm. and it is quite it's just interesting you feel proud uh, <laughs> I'm quite tired okay <laughs> but no but there is a uh, there is an emotional connection there yes. absolutely I'm not going to go as strong as pride okay but there is, <laughs> there is <laughs> there's a yeah some warmth and fuzzy don't feel fuzzy <laughs> not yet <laughs> so what is Britain a nation of this week uh, I think we're a bunch of out and proud royalists, actually, aren't we? Well, <laughs> maybe with, with some caveats. Oh, that's true. <laughs> slightly <laughs> conspiratorial believe... royalists, perhaps. S- slightly conspiratorial royalists. Okay, if that's the case. Sounds good. Do we need to <laughs> sing "God Save the Queen" now? Or no. something? <laughs> Just a, me. Yeah. Take us yeah. out. <laughs> Thanks for making it all the way to the end of Britain is a nation of. How can they get in touch, Matilda? You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo News UK, or you can find us on Facebook under Yahoo UK and Ireland, or email us on Yahoo News UK at oath.com. And join us again for another deep dive into very British behaviours. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.